Hi everyone, I'm Jonathan Siboni, founder and CEO of Luxury Insight, the leading data intelligence platform for luxury brands. Every two weeks, Gottfried Dini, global editor-in-chief, and Olivier Guyot, editor-in-chief friends of Fashion Network, interview the people who shape the industry of luxury, fashion, and beauty. Our guests share their personal journey and opinion on the current state of the market and what to expect for the future. You can find all episodes on luxuryinsight.com, social media, and wherever you want to listen to our podcasts. We hope you're going to enjoy this episode. Good day, everybody. Today, we have the good fortune to uh, have a discussion in our podcast with Walter Butler, uh, a dynamic figure in the world of uh, luxury and lifestyle, who uh, very recently bought Lambrosie, the three-star Michelin restaurant, much loved by all true gastronomes and lovers of fine cuisine. So delighted to meet you, Walter. Delighted to meet you, too. Uh, let's begin at the beginning. You were born in Rio. Uh, you're not a French origin, but you've adopted France as your country. Yes, I came in France with my mother. My mother was was Brazilian. She got uh, married three times. The third time was with the French. And when I was uh, seven years old, I moved from uh, Brazil to France. It was quite difficult for me to move uh, from this sunny and warm country to <laughs> France, which you, you don't appreciate at, at, at the first moment. So you did a fairly classical uh, preparation. You ended up going to the Enarch, which is, of course, what all French parents want their kids to do. That was for my parents, so I succeeded <laughs> in, in getting there, yes. And then your first steps after that, what did you do? I worked for the French Treasury for a few years, and then I, I worked for the Ministry of Culture and Communication for uh, three years, and it was a very nice time. That's the the period under which we privatized TF1, or the largest uh, European TV, and I loved uh, this moment, which was an exposure to the media industry, which was just beginning to 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 be important in Europe. And apparently then by 1991, you branched out and you created your own investment fund. Yes. What made you want to do that? I uh, Before that, I spent three years in New York. I at worked at Goldman Sachs, which was by them a private partnership. Okay. And uh, that gave me, I learned a lot there, and that gave me the... The, the 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 will to do some entrepreneurial uh, and at that time there were very few private equity funds in Europe and I started one of the very first in continental Europe. And what what was already your target? Where did you want to invest? We've been we started. There's been really two uh, two steps uh, over the past uh, decades. It first was to to get. To be known, you need to have an ex area of expertise. And for us, it has been a large turnaround, which means large companies which face um, financial and operational problems. And my first large turnaround was a very large group actually called BDDP, which is now part of uh, Omnicom. They had like one billion of revenues, and we turned it around in, in a few years. So that gave us this expertise uh, to do uh, this type of, uh, of investment. Uh, your first steps into lifestyle, what were they? I think the first uh, step has been when we bought Group Flow, which is one of the largest restaurant chains in in France. They own like the 15 brasseries, including, for example, La Coupole, Beaufanger, not far away from here. Vaudeville. Vaudeville. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there really is the French 
art de vivre. Uh, and that was our first experience, I would say. And what did you learn from that acquisition? I learned that uh, restaurants and this type of restaurant, the brasserie, as we say, and are very, it's, it's, some, it's a business where you have to be very close of your clients, know what they want, uh, because the restaurant is an experience where there's not only the food, there's the setting, there is the service, and uh, that's really what I learned, and the, pre the need to be very precise about how to manage a restaurant. It's a business which is uh, very volatile. Uh, there are more restaurant businesses go bankrupt every year. Proportionally, there are many other industries, but you invested in long-term uh, brands. Those were been around. Yes, and those those brasseries that I mentioned, they're still yeah. alive today. They they have the clients. The clients have changed. They're mm. younger, but they, they, they so because it's their brands. La Coupole. They have uh, it's the largest brasserie probably in Europe. Mm. Uh, you have two hundred and fifty employees just for this uh, restaurant. Le Boeuf sur le Toit, for example, which is very popular. It changed over the past twenty five years, mm. but it did exist and it's still doing business today. But what was it, uh, why were you able to buy it that someone wanted to sell in the first place? In the case of Group Flow, they had a very huge debt. They had ah. bought uh, several other companies and they have uh, almost 1 billion uh, euros of debt and, and the creditors were very unhappy. So we went through a capital increase and we took the control of the group because they had, they were at a nice level on the operating side, but the balance sheet, as we say, there was way too much debt. They could not repay the debt. So that's the way we, we, we've been uh, investing there. And it became quite a profitable business for you? It is. We, we made a very, we, at that time, we were working with uh, uh, third party investors. So we were obliged to sell after four or five years. Yeah. And that has been a very good investment for, for us. I can say it's, uh, it's public information. We, we made uh, five times our investment over, <laughs> over five year periods. So well, that's, that was, uh, that's a that's very a, nice capital gain. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that confirmed you that French lifestyle and luxury was something which could prove profitable. Yes, I always said uh, I try also to buy a very large house of champagne yes. unsuccessfully. But I've always said, you know, if there's one thing that will be left in France, it is the art de vivre, the lifestyle. And uh, nobody thought uh, 20 years ago that groups like uh, LVMH or Kering would be that successful. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's part of, of France, and uh, that's where French groups have been uh, the most successful in the world. Why do you think French people do luxury better, but better than most people, or better than anyone? I think it's. Uh, I would say it's. It's a little bit of everything. If you look at uh, creativity, I think that, uh, for example, Japanese are, are better than uh, than French. But luxury, it's it's a whole experience where you need creativity, but also the ability to to know your clients, to follow them, your competition, to scale. Mm -hmm. And I think the French groups, some of them at least, have been very good at scaling, and also at adding brands one after the other, both LVMH and Kering. Mm -hmm. If you look at them 20, 25 years ago, it was uh, much smaller groups with a few brands. Yeah. And, and Louis Vuitton itself, 20 years ago, and now changed. Mm -hmm. When um, Kering uh, bought Gucci in 2001, 
And nobody had an idea that uh, 21 years later it would be, uh, you know, of that, uh, no. that size and magnitude. Um, you also invested in uh, Virgin retail train to chain in France. Did you buy it? Is that what happened? Yes, we, we, we bought it. From? Uh, we bought it from uh, Lagardère, uh, who had bought it to Richard Branson. From Branson. Uh, yeah, exactly. And Branson sold out of frustration slightly, did he not? No? Yes, yes. Uh, because he found it too difficult to operate in. Uh. It, yes, and for us, it has not been a successful investment. Oh, no. The, 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 the main reason has been uh. Uh, the, the flagship we had was on the Champs-Élysées. Uh. We had like a 6 million euro uh, rent, and, uh. and uh, it, there's no way we could make, uh, make money. So this, uh, this whole, the, the flagship put the whole group in, uh, in, in risk. We had right. uh, like uh, 28 stores uh, around the country. That flagship now is, I believe, uh, Galerie Lafayette. Yeah. And I, one suspects they're having difficulty making money out of it. Yes, too. I think so. But uh, for them, it's a flagship. It's a yeah. large group. They want to show it. And, and uh, yeah. They're stuck with it. Mm -hmm. um, um, your next investment into experiential uh, business was the acquisition of Paradis Latin the uh, famous uh, nightclub in uh, the Fifth Iron Diesel. What attracted you to that investment? I think it's um, it's, a, it's the oldest uh, cabaret in the world. Oh. One of those theatres has been created by Napoleon in 1803 oh, yeah. and rebuilt by uh, Gustave Eiffel. And, and uh, it opened again in, in 1879, so before any other cabaret in the world. Mm. And this cabaret had little problems because in uh, you have to make a show. It's very expensive. You need a lot of investments. And uh, the family that owned the business had not the financial strength to do it. So when I when I bought it, I made very huge investments every everywhere. We made a, a new show called Oiseau Paradis with a very good choreographer with Kamel Wally. And uh, the, the, I would say the, the attendance or the audience or the revenues yeah. have been multiplied by three over the past uh, four years. So it okay. is, uh, oh. and we went into a very modern show with, uh, with great uh, artists. So it's been a very good investment and a fun one. It, it is, uh, it, it's, it's a very, yes, because it's, uh, we also tried for that, at, at that time we had roughly 70% of foreigners and 30% of French, and now it's the opposite of 70% of French. Uh. I could, uh, we changed the food. Because when you go in a cabaret, uh, you wait for uh, smoke salmon, which is not so good, etc. And I could happily convince uh, Guy Savoie, who is, uh, has been named the best chef in the world, mm. to do the, the menu. So we, he makes uh, 72 meals a year. So that's a lot. So uh, three appetizers, three main courses, two, two desserts, uh, and four times a year. And that brought us a lot of uh, French customers that come and come again because they like the, the whole experience, which is not only the show, but what you have in your mm -hmm. and, and, and what you can drink. Uh, uh, three or four years ago, when um, Bernard Arnault bought Belmont, the word experiential became the buzzword in luxury. Um, some people said it was partly because he had there weren't enough more luxury and fashion brands for him to buy. He had to do, diversify. 
But you see that as an area of growth in the future, experiential? Yes, of course, clearly. And I think the, this acquisition was a very good move. And we see that some uh, luxury brands now try to ex extend to, and the first, one of the first steps is uh, really uh, the hotel industry. And uh, yes, with. But you haven't bought a hotel yet. We are. Uh, <laughs> Looking. We're looking and uh, we're looking for two things, hotels and champagne. So that's, uh, that's in the hotels shop. Hotels and champagne. <laughs> is the shopping list of the, of the next uh, 12 months. Um, your next acquisition, when was it Pierre Hermé? So that was two years ago. Yeah. And Pierre is, uh, Pierre Hermé is the, I would say, luxury pastry. Mm. Uh, Pierre is... Uh, uh, created this group. We celebrate the 25th year mm. and he created his group in Japan, in Tokyo. Mm. And today we have more revenues from Japan than we have from, uh, from oh, Europe. Wow. And, uh, and actually the idea of uh, having an hotel is with uh, the Pierre Hermé group. Mm. There's no reason that uh, luxury brands move into a hotel or food and that we don't move into hotels as well. So the idea will be probably in the next 12 to 18 months to have uh, to create a new concept of uh, of hotels in Japan to start pyramid yes yes wow. yes because it's the in again in Japan it's even more popular than uh, than here in France uh he has been in Japan for 25 years and um, we think it's the business there is going extremely well. Mm. And we have a strong demand. We manage the restaurants of several hotels, the new hotel in Tokyo, the two hotels in Kyoto where we do the pastries or the overall restaurant. Oh, you do the whole restaurant? Yeah, we yeah. do that already in, uh, I would say, six, uh, six different places in Tokyo oh. and, and, and Kyoto. So... Uh, as we do all the the restaurant of La Mamounia, you know, in Morocco. So you also so, do that, yeah. So Pierre some, yes, yes. Some, I uh, didn't know that. Yeah. All the, the the restaurant room service, uh, uh, the, all the breakfast, and then the yes. So it's it's part of our business, and that's proved to be a prof profitable diversification for the arm addition to your business it is but the, the, to, to work with hotels or being the restaurant of certain hotels it started 10 years ago so it's not new the, uh, what uh, is uh, new uh. is we we accelerate uh, we accelerate this we're going to open the uh, the Ritz Carlton in in Saudi Arabia ah. uh, for all for all the the restaurants yeah. and and the room service so um, um it's profitable uh, it business. Is. The pastry business has quite good margins. Yes, no. yes. Surprisingly large. It's, yes, it's. It, I would say it's uh, very close to luxury brands in terms yeah, of profitability. Uh, I don't quite understand this giant explosion of shock lottery. <laughs> I'm mispronouncing it in France. There seems to be a new one open every day. Yes, on the top of that, we're going to open one. <laughs> Are you? We're glad to invite you Where? from spring two two twenty four. Uh, we're in, just looking for a, in Paris. In Paris, yeah. Yes, yes. And and uh, I, 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 is there a huge demand for this? Clearly, there is. If people are opening them. It, 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 there's a huge demand. We made, a, of course, a market study. As yeah. you said, everyone opens a, a chocolaterie, uh, but uh, it, it works. We're not going to open 10, but one or two, and uh, because we have a very good uh, reputation in, in, in chocolate as well. What would a Pierre Hermé hotel look like? 
uh, we spent a lot of time to discuss, and, and I don't know yet, but the idea today yeah. Yeah. would be to do it in Japan, yeah. either in Tokyo or in the country, so it would mm -hmm. be two different hotels, so we have to decide which one, mm -hmm. and it would be, I would say, um, with our own code, which is uh, uh, elegant, simple, uh, and, and, and with a light uh, touch. So the uh, hotels, the key factor is, of course, room occupancy. Uh, if you're trying to make money out of them, what makes you convinced that you can get a very high room occupancy in? Because we see that in this, in the, the idea would be a, a hotel of around 15 to 25 rooms, yeah. so uh, yeah. not a huge number. What I see clearly uh, over the past 10 years, it's we're in a world where. Uh, People travel more and more, whatever we say, mm. you, you can see the numbers. You have more and more rich people, mm. billionaires, millionaires, mm. and they want to have a new experience. Yeah. So I'm just fascinated by, uh, uh, for example, when I go in Los, in Los Angeles, I stay in Malibu, in the Nobu Hotel. The price, it's a very small hotel. They have oh. like uh, 20 rooms, if I remember. The price of the rooms is very, very expensive, yeah. and it's always uh, sold out. Yeah. So when when uh, when there is something nice, there is a, there are clients for that. Yeah, yeah. The the it's very elastic. People are prepared to pay that, but yeah. much more. Uh, your most recent acquisition, congratulations! In the last month was Lambrosie, the famous restaurant in uh, uh, Place de Vosges. What attracted you to make that investment? I think uh, it's one of the best restaurants in the world, in one of the best locations in the world, mm -hmm. Place des Vosges, which is historical Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, the chef, Bernard Paco, who is a very, who is a very shy person, that doesn't, mm -hmm. is not exposed to media, has created this paradise with only uh, 35 uh, seats. He doesn't mm -hmm. want any more. And uh, he, he, I think he's the, the one who has the most three stars in the world because that's been 35 years in a row mm. where he, he got a three-star mm. uh, restaurant. I think it's typically French cuisine at its best, which is a very pure and with very good uh, products. And, and uh, the idea there is not to create a, a, a brand, but it's maybe to develop one Ambroisie maybe in Tokyo or somewhere in Japan and maybe set up at some stage in Paris or in Japan uh, a, a restaurant of a, of a, of a, at a lower price because the, 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 the cost of a three-star is really quite expensive and want to open maybe something which is cheaper but of very good quality like a brasserie or something like that. In Paris. In Paris and maybe in Tokyo as well. Why did he want to sell? Be, he's a very smart person because he's uh, not so young. Mm. And uh, instead, uh, he, he, I think he wanted to prepare the transition. Mm. So he's going to stay a few years. I think the fact that uh, I invested in, in, in his company makes him less stressful, you know, uh, financially, mm -hmm. and may maybe also he will be able to do things that he has never been able to do before. For example, before when he went to Japan, he had to close the, the restaurant as they were. So uh, the idea is really <laughs> to, to strengthen <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then... Yeah. Uh, um, they say health is wealth. 
and you also invested in um, a, a fitness, is that fair to say, fitness brand, uh, Nor Norden, would you call it that? It's yes. Uh, Norden is a uh, is is a French uh, company, yeah. uh, which sounds more uh, Nordic. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but it's based in China, so and and in Singapore, and it's really more on the uh, Internet of Things. I would say more on uh, on. Uh, uh, everything that is connected to wealth, it's it's uh, watches uh, and th these type of things. And it works, uh, it's not a luxury brand, I would say, in terms of pricing, but it's a nice, it's a very good sector, which increases a lot. How do you see the luxury uh, business developing over the next 10 years? I think... Uh, a lot. I think the luxury business will grow as in the past much quicker than the rest of the of the economy, <laughs> apart from the defense because of, because of the of this war. But I think it it will be a strong a strong growth because people want uh, uh, to have a good experience, and and more and more people have uh, the financial capability ability to 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 invest in in luxury brands. Uh, to invest or also to buy luxury. To buy. Yeah, yeah. You feel that market yeah, will, the yeah. consumer market exactly. for exactly. that is going to grow. Exactly. Um, uh, do you see any, why do you think certain brands though have been hesitant to invest in the experiential uh, economy? I mean, uh, if you ask Chanel or Hermes, why is there no Chanel Hotel or Hermes Hotel? They they just say it's just not. We're never going to do it. Why why do you think some people resist that? I I can understand. Yeah. You know, Ca caring as well. Caring. There's no, as far as I know, caring brand. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. The the thing is, uh, oh. both strategies are are, are make sense. Oh. Uh, if it was me, I would, I, 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 that's what we are going to do to invest in hotels because I think it's a good addition yeah. to to a luxury brand. Mm. So, but I understand that uh, you no know, Chanel, Hermès, they want to focus on really their core mm. their core business. And mm. if you look at Hermès, where it was twenty years ago, yeah. and today it has uh, changed a lot. So it's uh, but. Uh, Hermès, I don't know if you remember, but Hermès at some stage has been the one of the largest shareholders of Leica, the photography. Yeah. So they, they, these groups, they have uh, so much cash and they need to invest this cash yes. somewhere so yeah. it can be also in other, in other projects. Yeah, so they do speculate in other areas of luxury. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, uh, we have a lot of... Uh, listeners who are young people who'd like to get into the uh, luxury industry. Uh, but sorry, before we go on to that, a key area people talk about nowadays in luxury is data. Um, how do you use data uh, to make investment decisions or manage your properties? We use it more to manage than to make investments. We... 
I'm, I'm not so happy the way we use data because uh -huh. we should use data much more than what we do. Uh -huh. And it's a hidden jewel there that, and, and I keep telling my team, we need to know better to invest in data to know everything. So for, uh, for example, for Paradis Data, one, one of the reasons that the revenues have been multiplied by, by three or, or four uh -huh. over the past four years, because we use, I think, in a smart way, the data that we have from our clients, their experience. And as I said, we have now 25% uh, uh, of clients who are in, people return or return come again. Time. And that's because we know them and we could manage the first experience and get them to come back. And that's because we, we learn from, from the data. And I think it's, for, uh, it's only the beginning of it. Uh, so do, well, there is more and more data that is uh, around. And uh, to understand what the competition does, we really need to, to invest in, in data. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, artificial intelligence, the big buzzword of the last two or three months. Um, is it a threat or is it a useful tool? Or I both? Think, as you say, it's a buzz for the, the past <laughs> three months and maybe for the two or three months and then uh, there will be something else. Uh, AI exists for... Uh, since uh, the computer industry exists, you know, it's just uh, uh, the, the the new thing is the the acceleration of the technology, the speed at which uh, at the speed at which uh, the developments are made. But uh, uh, Google can know and knows where you've been uh, 20 years ago, who you've been calling, what are the sites you've been looking at, where you've been traveling. So it's not something new. I think what is new is the fact that it will help uh, mankind maybe to work a little bit less. And that's why it creates so much uh, fear there are two fears, the fear that people don't have a job and the fear that uh, will be too much monitored, you know, you know the whole mm, yes, yes. 1984. Uh, so that, that's, that's it. But I think it's uh, a positive uh, development. Do, do, to me, the, the one thing to respect is the private life of, of, uh, of individuals. Okay. The um, COVID made a huge difference to obviously luxury industry, but in most cases, things have bounced back largely to where they were. Is that true for your your it, businesses? It is. It is uh, 2022. Uh, the reference is 19 2019. Then yeah. 2022, we had uh, for for Pierre May. I can give you the numbers. Uh, it's we had a 50 percent uh, increase, uh, and uh, 2023 uh, we are uh, mid of June compared to last year. Uh, we are 15% uh, more uh, of growth uh, on a like-for-like -like basis. Okay, very good. Um, we have a lot of young listeners, and uh, there are people who want to get into fashion, luxury, lifestyle, uh, management, or creativity. What three bits of advice would you give some young man or woman starting off in their career? It depends on the character and what these people want to do. But I would say uh, it would be to uh, to try to find something that has not been done so far or that has been done, but you can do it in a different way and re invest in knowing if there is a market and that's where the most investment should take place. And know 
in what is the what would be the potential competition? Yeah. Uh, is there a real market? Are there clients yeah. for this? At what at what price will they be able to buy? And and uh, start uh, with uh, start low, small, and grow like like this. And that's really what happened for Pierre Hermé. He started uh, alone uh, yeah. 25 years ago. Now we are north of uh, 100 million euros of revenues. So it's, it has been a constant growth. And uh, so that's really the, the suggestion I would uh, I would do. And we invest in startups as well. So uh, uh, our door is open to people who have uh, new, uh, new projects. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Luxury Insight and Fashion Network podcast. If you like this episode, subscribe to our channel to discover more exclusive insights from leaders of the industry. You can find all our episodes on LuxurySide.com, social media, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.